0: So today I am I am particularly looking forward to our, our conversation. Um, it's something that I think weighs heavy on me normally and something that has come up in conversation time and time again with uh, people within this church, which is how do we hold on to hope when the challenges and the problems that we are looking at that are stealing hope from us are systemically entrenched. There are things it's not so quick and easy just to change a mind or to change a relationship. It's actually built into our society. Um, things like systemic racism, things like uh, patriarchy, uh, things like even just the fact that having like a, a government system that is created in the way that our government system is created uh, where uh, people get elected even if they're not winning a popular vote or they're not actually getting representation in terms of our entire population. It's just those that are registered to vote Um, or it's the experience of poverty that is kind of intrinsically built into our society that feels like this is just such a big problem. How are we ever going to overcome this? How do I not throw in the towel and feel hopeless in face of these enormous things that are built into our society? And so uh, for that today, to talk about how are we able to hold on to hope in the face of systemic challenges, uh, I have somebody that's going to be joining me that, uh, frankly, I'll say is one of my favorite people in the whole world. Um, And uh, the thing I want to say here is that I'm not sure how I would have made it through the last, whatever it is, nine months if if this person was not in my life. I think... um, she is uh, a colleague, Kara uh, Car this we I'll introduce in this moment. She's a colleague and works with me at Books and Breakfast. She's the director of two of our elementary school sites, uh, Lincoln Elementary and Dawes Elementary, which I believe Vince is an alum of, right? Good job, bud. Full circle. It's here. true.
1: Dawes Eagles, Elementary. Right? Woo!
0: Um,
1: South Evanston. And-
0: there you go and uh she's also our director of family and community engagement um but i would say even beyond that what has been such a difference maker for me in the last month is i think uh more than almost anybody i know has a care for people's hearts and souls and whether it has been buying me a cushion and bath salts to help me identify the best ways I can de-stress in the midst of the last nine months, or it's just encouraging those around them to check in with themselves and see what's going on, um, while also being somebody who is fiercely committed to fighting systemic issues and not throwing in the towel, but pushing forward. So I'm super excited, Cara. Welcome in. Um, she is, uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I would love can I, as we just get started here. I just uh, so grateful for you to join us. Um, I just would curious before we jump into kind of our own reflections about uh, how we maintain hope in the midst of fighting for systemic issues. Uh, one context, if you don't know, so the organization that Car and I both work for, Books and Breakfast, the foundational mission is to disrupt the impact of systemic racism and address the resource gaps around income in the Evanston public school system. So this is, so maybe our conversation may drift towards educational equity, but I, I know that it, for for Cara, the, the fights against the systemic challenges of our world are not exclusive to the way that that plays out in our school systems. But I'm curious, Cara, could you just tell, would you mind just sharing a little bit about how, how you got into doing this kind of work, doing the work of uh, Books and Breakfast? I thought that could be a nice little intro before we kind of moved into our points.
1: Yeah yes um thank you guys so much for having me here first off um i will try my best to live up to that intro kyle it's it's like uh (laughs) it's a lot um hopefully i'm embodying all of that um so i have uh come to doing this work at books and breakfast and i think in life um really from my own journey as a parent in in evanston and district 65. Um, my son, who has always been a lover of learning and uh, curious and and uh, interested in all things, particularly all things animal, all things aquatic, all things ecological, um, you know, started school in the publics the public school district uh, of Evanston where we live, and um, just had we had a challenging experience you know uh the child i knew and loved was coming home with different messaging was coming home thinking differently about himself than i had ever heard him reflecting um and it was hard and and heartbreaking in a lot of ways and uh you know i'm parenting him alone and you know and i should mention i'm a multiracial woman, my son is three quarters black. I'm half black. Uh, I'm, I'm half black and indigenous. I am the other half German and Irish. I am a multitude of things. And my son is uh, three quarters black. And uh, you know, I just, it became clear over time that he was having a very different experience, a different experience from me, a very fair-skinned um, person of color. And, um, very different for him as a as a brown skin boy. And so um I pivoted and tried things and talked to people and talked to teachers and talked to principals etc. um and and realized that nothing in that experience was going to change for my son no matter what I was doing. Um, and changed schools and did all kinds of things and ultimately ended up pulling my son out of school after second grade to homeschool him. And I've been homeschooling him for seven years. Um, and came in this this work in Books and Breakfast kind of came into my life um, just through volunteering. My sister had been volunteering um, and brought me in. And uh, I loved what they were doing. I loved the way they were doing things and seeing, seeing these kids and and recognizing that there's a missing piece there's many missing pieces but the main missing piece of actually seeing children and and um caring for children as individuals not just as this collective we got 30 kids what we going to do with them we got to get it together we got to keep them in line kind of thought process so um I, a position came open. I applied for it at Books and Breakfast. I, um, you know, I remember specifically being asked, like, why, why would you want to do this when you kind of have your own bubble, right? Like you're home, you're homeschooling, you're not in this system, you know, and for me, it was, I'm not in this system, but Our friends and family are. Uh, My son's friends are. My community is. And if I'm not doing something to impact the people I love and care for, the people I live across the street from, then what am I doing? You know, I, I could take myself out of it. I did that. I did that to, you know, care for my child and get him to where he needed to be. But it didn't mean that we're not in this, you know? It doesn't mean that it's not affecting us day to day. Um, and, and most importantly, you know, from the educational perspective, these are, the children are our future, you know, and my son is going to grow up with these, these, these young people and they're going to make changes and I need them to be whole. I need them to know that they are loved, that they are seen, that they are valuable, that their voices matter and don't need to be quieted. And so, um that was my main motivation, you know, uh, to feel like I was more actively doing something outside of myself and my child and our bubble, so to speak. Um, so yeah, I don't know how, I don't know how brief that was, but <laughs>
0: you know, it was perfect. Thank you, it was great. Um, and I think why this topic, I think, is you and I were chatting about, um, as we have, we've, I will say, Kaya has probably been my, my largest conversation partner over the last nine months, particularly as the world and myself was processing George Floyd, processing Jacob Blake with connections to Evanston and just uh, trying to figure out like where we're positioned. So me and Cara have had lots of conversations in and around uh, addressing specifically the systemic challenges around racism, but just... Um, and so I'll, I'll do my best to, to not jump into our conversations and build off of things we've already done, but try to bring all of us into this larger thing. But I think one of the biggest things that struck me, Cara, is, um, where that hope is found in you, in going back—it's in going back and working for justice in a system that uniquely failed you. Like it's—it's it's not. It wasn't just an abstract thing. It was a sense of um, this system isn't just broken, but it—it it was broken for you, and that you turning back around and then stepping into that. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, I want to bring us into our first point here, as we're kind of talking about this, as, as we were talking before about how do we hold on to hope when the problems that we are facing are so entrenched, they're so built into the way society works. And our, the first point we discussed was we, we maintain our hope by remembering the resilience and the joy of those who came before us. Um, I'm curious, guys. As I say that, as you think about our conversation, can you tell me a little bit more about how you hold on to hope in doing this work that is very far from being fixed, is very still broken, um, and how remembering the resilience and joy of those who came before us has helped you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think when I am really feeling challenged to be positive or to stay in this positive frame and to remain hopeful and, and have faith in things. I, um, I often end up reflecting on where I came from. Um, Not only where I came from, but the people I was born from. Um, And then not just my parents, uh, my grandparents, uh, you know, I had uh, my dad's mother, raised five kids on her own. she moved her five children one by one from Mississippi to Chicago to raise them on her own and um, you know, every moment I spent with my grandma we were laughing and and had so much joy and and you know as much of a struggle as hearing that that was her experience and knowing she had lived through that um, you could never you know you could never, You can never tell basically, I guess is the point. You could never feel that, that heaviness, which she could have, she, she could have carried, you know, I feel like I've had so many moments in life where I've, there've been so many things and I wasn't sure how they were going to go. And, uh, I think you you're in the heaviness when you're in it, but knowing there's more and knowing that you are going to get beyond it, knowing that my grandmother got beyond it, knowing that my ancestors got beyond the, the. The oppression, the getting beyond the the things that really were trying to break us, or really maybe did break us, um, and having that moment of clarity that you know, despite all that, my grandma could laugh, and she could make me laugh, and she could make anybody in the room crack up, knowing that you know, even my own heritage, both being of. Indigenous people, being from very hard to to, uh, trace our heritage, obviously, from my dad's side, Um, but knowing that we uh, had Indigenous peoples in our our ancestry, knowing that, you know, we are of African descent, uh, knowing that there were so many times that we were really tried to be broken, and that we had joy, and that we sang, and that we found ways to come together uh, is what I go back to. I think one of my favorite quotes is that Black joy is revolutionary. And I I do think that it is. I think of all the things, of all the things that we went through to have joy, to be able to laugh, to know like you tried to break me, I'm going to laugh in your face feels so redeeming. And so just kind of shrugging off of, you know, this is, so big and no i don't I don't quite see where I'm going in this but I'm but I'm here you know and I'm gonna laugh and I'm gonna have joy in this moment um is powerful to me and I think that that is a place I always kind of come back to 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 get myself grounded and centered again
0: yeah i you know we because we were talking I was just to me it, it feels um, that this, this connection between remembering with gratitude and feeling hope for the future, like how those two things feed each other. You know, we were talking in the, in the biblical tradition of why it's so important for the Jewish people to be constantly going back and remembering, uh, the Exodus with Moses, or even as we just finished Hanukkah, this yearly remembrance of the time of survival in suffering. And I think this is something that particularly, uh, as we face challenges that feel so ingrained into our society to look back and see the victories that have happened, to look back and see that that didn't steal life then I think helps us hold on to the hope of, of not letting life be stolen for us now. And I, you know, one thing you and I talked about is when you're thinking about that, it even it gives you a lens to those that are right behind you as well, like when you walk through suffering and you come out the other side. We talked about this process of like, you almost walk through and then turn around. And then you see the other people walking through that. I mean, I see that every single day with you, Car, in terms of the ways that you are helping families and helping students in the district that wasn't there to help you. Um, and I'm just curious, just tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are in terms of that process of, of realizing where you're at and then having the seeing where you came from is a precipice an invitation to turn around and then often that's often where we have our most powerful impact is the walking through and then turning around
1: mm-hmm. yeah i think definitely it's um i think i think about being in it myself sometimes you know especially when it comes to school and families and, and feeling like you can be made to feel very alone. Like nobody else gets what you're talking about. Everybody's like, I don't know what you mean. We're fine over on this side. And so, um, I think for me, I feel like there's some strength in, in telling somebody else, like, no, that was absolutely ridiculous. Like that should never happen, you know? And, and, and saying, come, come on, you know, I'm with you on this Mm -hmm. and, and Mm -hmm. just having enough of a, of a moment to be seen, you know, and and I do think about um, the turning back around. Like I, I think when you're in it, it, it is it's it's heavy, and and in all honesty, we carry that heaviness and and that weight in those moments, and. Uh, you know, my personal view of that, that is always that it, there's trauma in that and we hold trauma in our bodies and we hold trauma in our pasts. And, um, you know, I could go further into back into my whole past and, and ancestry and, and reflect on that trauma. And, but knowing that we did get through knowing that I'm here today because someone else fought for, me to be here today, knowing that my parents fought for me to exist, um, and that, you know, we're going to keep on doing that. It, and maybe it doesn't, you know, necessarily look like fists raised in the streets, but it was it was a fight. It was a day-to-day fight, and that's what it is. And so um, that getting through and turning around and, and bringing more people with, I feel like there's a little bit of that that's just... It's in my DNA, you know. But also, uh, there's a little bit of that in all of our DNA in this country. This is this country is built off of, of of people fighting, you know, for for better. And as much as there is a lot of pain and trauma in that in that past and in that history, there's there's still the fight, and the fight wins, you know. So. Uh, yeah, and I, and as far as the you know families and parents, I, I do have a very um, it's a, it's close to my heart. I walk that path, and I feel like a lot of time it's it's just about information and and community, and and sharing with people and giving somebody a hug, even though we can't hug right now, but giving them a verbal hug or giving them a emotional hug and saying I see you and 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 this is real. And, and we're in this together, makes all the difference sometimes, you know? So.
0: I think the, the thing that I feel in that is so much empathy. Like there's a sense of um, the problem in sometimes talking about systemic issues is it removes the humanity, it removes the individualism, that this isn't just, oh, we have systemic racism in our country. Well, that that's like a thing that is happening in, in, an, in like a structural way. It's like, those are, our, people. Those are humans that God loves that have innate dignity and value. And so I think what the thing that you say makes a lot of sense to me is when you're looking at the system, like even just a, the small piece of like the specific brokenness of one school district in one town is a broken system. And we can look at it and say, I don't know how we're going to change this is very different than saying i can look at people that are in it right now and you know what like helping a family get resources or be made aware of something that's available to them but because of the brokenness of the system they don't ever be made aware of that that is that's not you know they're not like oh okay well the system's broken so never mind like i'm good you know like they're they're in it it is suffering you know when we say the patriarchy is so so enforced in our society, what are we gonna do about it? That doesn't mean that like, when you have a woman that's told that she needs to just listen or, or accept what's given to her, that that's, that's a human, that's a person that stepping and turning around and identifying the places in ourselves where we've had to walk through suffering and then seeing that in other people, I think that gives us hope because hope becomes attached to a person, uh, an actual individual, and it is not just a structural big picture thing that is abstract. Um, and I want to I pivot us to our second point because you touched on it. And I think um, this is the thing that I find so um, probably the thing you have helped me see most in the last nine months that I don't think I was in touch with, which is in order for us to find hope in the face of systemic injustice, we must acknowledge the trauma of systemic injustice. We need to acknowledge the trauma we've been through and the trauma we are going through. That it is... Uh, A traumatic experience to realize the brokenness of our society. It is a traumatic experience to realize that we have a status quo that is leaving you out. It It is a broken and traumatic event, but because it's built into the status quo, we just don't always notice it. We don't call it trauma because it just is what it is. Um, I'm just curious, Could you just tell me a little bit more about what you think about in terms of the impact of trauma in the face of the things that are systemically broken in our world?
1: Definitely. Um, I'm trying to gather all the many thoughts I had just listening to you. Um, you know, I think that, I think we live in a, I think it's important first always, to acknowledge right now today we are living through a trauma this this pandemic um, all of the things that have happened around it and and within it and um because of it are are causing us to experience life right now under an insurmountable it's not insurmountable but it feels insurmountable some days amount of stress and and trauma, and it is sitting in our bodies in a certain way. And I don't know that we know yet until we are beyond this, what, what that looks like and how we move forward with that. Um, that being said, I think we live in a society and a culture that expects us to be very productive, and we it gets reinforced that you need to be doing something something and you need to be, you know, always producing. And even though you're home from school and learning on a computer, you still need to produce at the same rate that you would produce in in a school building and um, same with jobs and same with so many things. And I think that it's it's not realistic and it's not human and it's not um, kind to ourselves to try to live up to some standard that I think a lot of times your body will kind of tell you like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get out of bed today. I don't want to be productive. I'm not feeling like I can achieve that goal. Um, and we push through, right? Like there's a big, very big push through it. You get through it. There's like, you know, there's a lot of reinforcement of like, that's really strong, but it's also, you know, there's some damage that's been made. If you push through a really small, you know, opening in a doorway, you're probably gonna bruise yourself and you're probably gonna have some things that, you know, repercussions of doing so. And so, you know, I think I, I've done some trauma-informed work in my own life um, on on myself, for myself, um, also to lead people and to be aware for myself of how things can come up when you're in a certain situation. And, uh, you know, trauma for humans, I think lives in our bodies. I know someone just said they're reading The Body Keeps Score, which is an amazing book. Um, Trauma lives in our bodies and that we, you know, the, the most interesting thing I learned was that animals have a different way of kind of releasing trauma. So like a, Um, a possum who can play dead, who can become, you know, play possum, so to speak, can actually slow its blood down, can lower its body temperature, can really appear dead. And then when the danger is gone, they can come back, they can get all that flowing again. And there's a literal physical shaking that that possum does that is a part of that releasing of the trauma. Whereas we as humans might have a car accident, you know, which is a trauma, and we'll get out, and we'll do the things, and we'll get the insurance, and w- all of that, but we just keep going, right, unless you have a very serious injury, etc., but you don't process through, and and same with, you know, having had a very traumatic experience, we kind of just are told, just push through it, like that, you know, you, it's not acknowledged, it might not even be kind of unwound, and I think that when we're in moments like now, and it's challenging to find hope. I think that unwinding what what we're feeling, unwinding that peace, not adhering to being this productive person. And I'm gonna just keep moving because I think in stillness, you can start to, things start to come up and you start to realize like, this is not sitting well for me and why, you know? And, and getting to the root of that, is really valuable in getting yourself back to a space where I think you can also feel whole, but also um, acknowledge like what I have been living in is really hard. And I need to mourn that I have lost something or I need to mourn that this was hard or I need to just get my whole self into the place that I need to, to feel better. Um, And nobody's going to rush me in doing that. I need to do it. And I need to do it in my own pace. And no one else can describe how that's going to look for me. Um, So I think that we can spend a whole bunch of time just not acknowledging it and pushing through and being productive. um, But the pause and the stillness and the caring for ourselves deeply and the listening to ourselves. I think we get taught to not listen to ourselves as well and and taught to listen to other things and other voices they know better and and we have we have innate wisdom we have things in us that know you know how things should go how we should be proceeding you know and i think that there there is something in being still and 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 working through that and unwinding that and to be honest i think that is revolutionary i think that 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 causes change, and I think acknowledging that for ourselves—that we are doing, we are act—that's that's a lot to be unwinding, to be sitting in that, to be doing that. That's a lot, you know. And you should give yourself credit for that. Uh, it's just as productive as productivity at work or school or other things is. Um, yeah.
0: No. I think that the piece that's so interwoven as we were talking about it um, the other day, is so systemic brokenness is traumatic. It is traumatic to realize, especially if you are the one that is being marginalized in that process to say, wait a second, the people around me are being treated better than I am, or this is something that's just happening to me, but it's such a it's a natural trauma that just happens over time. But the, we, you were even talking to me, in my own story, of, you know, to me, I think this, at heart, there's a little bit of this is what's going on with white fragility. Is it, it is, even when I'm being benefited by this system, it is a, it's still traumatic to realize how broken our society is and that these people around me that have value and care, our society is letting them down. And that that trauma is deeply uncomfortable. Like it's, it's to, to acknowledge that. And I think that's why it's so hard to go there. It's cause it's like, oh my goodness, like let's not make this a race thing. Cause if it's a race thing, how profoundly broken is that? And what does that mean about me as somebody in this society that just feels so broken within myself, I can't go there. The other thing you and I were talking about, though, is that trauma triggers trauma. Like it, it, like being in a broken school system triggers the other traumas in our life. And that's why it's so important for us to acknowledge the traumas we've experienced and start unwinding them or they begin to be informed in other places. Like, for example, you know, I was talking to some mental health workers that were talking about there was a real traumatic response to Trump as president particularly from those who had trauma of unstable parents. There was a sense of like the structural trauma of a juvenile president hit the internal trauma of, I grew up with parents I couldn't rely on. And then all of a sudden there was like a, for a lot of mental health workers, like a rolling back. We had to like start over again on certain trauma work. And I think that that's why it's so important that we don't ignore our traumas, that we acknowledge those traumas and acknowledge that we're in them. Just like I'm sure my son is going to have trauma from COVID. And that's going to be something we have to acknowledge and speak about. And we have to, the word that I think you always use is talking about, we need to unwind that. Because if we don't unwind our trauma, we're going to carry it with us. And that's actually going to steal our ability to feel hope for the future. Because it's just going to be, how, how on earth do you move forward with something when every time you step into it, it's triggering trauma. It's triggering fight or flight like we need the healing piece to happen before we can actually move into that justice piece. Um, I'm just curious to you, if you just tell me a little bit more about what that looks like in terms of acknowledging that trauma and that process of like kind of unwinding it so that you are able to do this work. Like you, you experienced trauma with your son and then had to step back in this work, which would have absolutely been triggering that trauma if you had not tried to do some work on your own to unwind that your own personal I'm just could you speak to us a little bit about that
1: yeah I think that um and you know for me I I always try to I, it's been an important goal of mine to always try to be my, my best self, my truest self, my most authentic self. I think when I find that I'm having a very strong reaction about something, it's a sign to me to step back and check myself. Like, is it me? Is this because I had so-and-so experience and then therefore I'm having this reaction to this, um, You know, and when I can sit with that and, you know, decide yes or no or or whichever direction, then I feel like I can, you know, usually a strong emotion to me is a sign that there's something very personal in that for me, but also that There've been so many times I have been, it's been informed by a trauma. It's been informed that this feels like that same moment and I'm feeling all this fear, I'm feeling all this anxiety, um, but that's not who I wholly am, right? Like I don't exist in the world as a fearful uh, person. I'm a, I, I like to think I'm a very loving and caring person. I like to, you know, and that's when I feel my most whole. And so acknowledging that, you know, I need to unwind this a little bit more for myself. I need to get clear that you know no this is this is racist what i'm experiencing this is this is because my son is black you know that he is being treated this way in this classroom and you know being sure that it's you know it is what it is and and i don't want that to be you know i didn't get that ex- i didn't have that experience in the school i didn't have that experience in life i'm not a black male though and so you know recognizing that wow my you know this expectation I had of this experience or this, my own experience is now ex- being, you know, experienced completely differently for my child, um, for my loved ones, for people in my life who, you know, cannot do things the way that I have or the way that I have experienced things and recognizing that I had some, a whole bunch of the privilege, you know, because I, because i have fair skin because i am a lighter person of color because you know something was more appealing in being helpful to me but is not the case for my son and um and i'm you know and i'm angry about that but i'm also going to fight it you know and so i think that recognizing and checking in with myself and and knowing that my fair experience my fair-skinned experience allowed me to be in a different kind of bubble and possibly you know step out of having a certain experience that that's not that's not an option it's not an option for me to just be in the middle or to be neutral um my call is to be active and to be a part of the solution so i think getting through my own unwinding helps me to get really clear on what is next and where I'm going and, and how I'm doing it, you know, and making sure that it is my, when I use my voice, I want it to be uh, clear. I want it to be thoughtful. I want it to be um, succinct and, and uh, not unsure and not, you know, in a weird, I'm not sure a neutral uh, place, especially about something as, as, important and horrifying as systemically broken, racist systems. So uh, I think it's important to reflect on ourselves and in the place of all of this and, and be clear on what actions we want to be taking in that space.
0: The, the two pieces here I, I see, are the validating of your own trauma, not minimizing your trauma, not, not explaining it, but also the power of validating other people's trauma. And, not, and what we've seen largely is a lot of people invalidate, oh, that's not a race thing, oh, that's, you know, it, and rather than just acknowledging and, and helping people acknowledge the trauma that they are experiencing, because we need to address that trauma or the ability to feel hope for a different future is gonna feel really difficult. And I think that this is connected to our last point here, which is the the power and the need to acknowledge where we're at. And the third point is we maintain hope in the face of systemic issues when we learn, when we need to extend grace to ourselves. Like those, I'm just curious, could you just tell me a little bit about uh, what what that looks like to you, what that means to you? Um, I think the precipice of this conversation was like, what happens when our job isn't fighting for systemic justice? Or what happens when we are just trying to survive and exhausted and have no bandwidth? Um, what is it what, how, how do we maintain hope uh, if, if this isn't built into our life to be doing this work?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I didn't I, I didn't pull my son out of school and then immediately find books and breakfast and be like, this is the work I'm doing. Like it took me a long time (laughs) to get my own self together to make sure my son was okay. It's taken us years of conversations to really unpull and unwind him, and to think, you know, to not thinking there's something wrong with him that he is bad, that you know he can't learn in some way that has been described to him as, you know, whatever. And and you know, in the moment, I didn't, I didn't know, I wasn't that clear, but I, I know now that there was grace that I needed to give myself. And I, I only gave it in, in reflection, you know, I think in the moment I was doing the best I could because I was in trauma. Um, so I think that, but, but regardless, I was still doing the work, you know, I was doing the work on us. I was doing the work for him. Um, I think that when you, know, like the statement said, when to give yourself grace and, and know that, you know, today's, today we, we made it through (laughs) today. I think a lot of, I I, I think the best things I've heard when people are reflecting on 2020 is I made it, I'm making it through 2020, right? Like this is, this isn't a trauma that we are living in and I'm here. And so giving ourselves the love and kindness. That we would give somebody else and comforting them, but also just saying, you know, this is where I'm at and this is how it goes and this is what I have the capacity to do today and and this is what my bandwidth is and this is how I can love today and be kind to not only the people around me, but to myself. Um, I think that is just as important as, you know, doing something in our minds, I think, that we think needs to be very grand and very demonstrative, because um, sometimes a, a demonstration is just that. It's just a demonstration if it's not coming from your heart, if you haven't unwound the things you need to, if you're not clear on, I need to be marching, I need to be doing this, but it, are you doing that work day to day, right? If you are going someplace that is, you know, your employer is not books and breakfast and it's not, you know, they're not hearing you or seeing you in a, in a way that you want to or they're not representing something that you are feeling is reflective of you. What are we what am I doing? you know? and, and taking tally of what you are capable of today and what you are doing? And, and I that counts, particularly in a trauma, particularly in a pandemic, particularly when we are all trying our best to, be our best today. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that even really answered what you what no, you I, asked. <laughs> I think it.
0: I think it, I think the the there's two things you have said to me over the last six months that have been really helpful. And I think it's sometimes the the way that we fight is just by making it through the day. Like, did I survive today? Um, because in order for to be people that have a heart towards justice, we need to have a heart that's left. Which means we need to learn those times when we need to notice our body. You've probably given me more permission than anybody. That's like you should just do nothing for a day as much as possible, and that that and claim it. That's not that's not a bad thing. You need to claim doing nothing because you just need to survive this moment. Um, and I think that for all of us to think about that, I think it's really important that we we are not going to f- keep our hope of finding systemic issues if we're crazy burned out. And needing to build that in and not just wait until it's totally fallen apart. We talked about the, you know, our stress needs to unwind as well. Um, and it's that sense of like, who, who are we in terms of unwinding the, the weights and stress? And if we don't do that on a regular basis, it just takes a really long time for us to actually find that piece um, I really just so appreciate your time. I really appreciate you bring it. Is there anything else that you would just leave us with in terms of, how people can maintain a hope and a push for justice when these problems feel so big?
1: I think, I don't, you know, I wish I had some beautiful, perfect statement. (laughs) I think that, I think we have today and being grateful for today. I also think that um, being in community is really important. Uh, I think it's a good reflection that we have. There's more than just us. There's more than just me. I think those that we need those reflections, um, and you know, and and giving yourself so much grace and and recognizing that you know, I got up today. You know, I think in a pandemic, like I got up today and I got dressed. That's like everything some days, right? And so, um, you know, taking tally of what you have for this day and what you, you know, finding the the joy. I'd say laughter is always amazing in in shifting that and and just remembering, you know, in love that we we can do anything that's really always where i come back to so
0: thank you so much car i'm i'm going to just pray to close up this part uh, before we kind of do a little housekeeping before finishing our service uh we're just so grateful um to have car here so grateful um for all of those that came before us for which we can look back and find hope for the future by celebrating the resiliency and joy of those who came before us. And we, we pray that we would find hope, that the moments when the problems feel too big, that you would help us care for ourselves, help us acknowledge the things that are going on in us that defeat our hope and help us see the pockets of places that we have the ability to change. We have the ability to do something. And maybe for the day that ability to do something is surviving that day. But maybe that day is we've survived that day and now we're turning around to see what we can do for those behind us or those that are still in it. We just ask for a country that is more full of justice. Amen.